Check, check, one, two, three, check. Praise. Um, our praise is very good all the time, but today just a little bit more moving on my part. <clears throat> We have gone through uh, the book of Jonah, and I was hoping to go to New Testament. Uh, I was planning on preaching on Titus, but more I dig into it, I needed more time. Um, when Pastor Justin would come back, uh, he would resume his preaching responsibilities, and I didn't want to overlap. So I, I thought, what can I do to just you know, fill this void until he comes back, just hold the fort, as they say. So I thought, oh, how about Elijah? So that's how Elijah came about. And hopefully for the next several weeks, we could dig into Elijah. Because Elijah is just a wonderful person in the Bible. But not only that, he really connects the Old Testament and New Testament. And he has some cool nicknames. One, a camel's knee. He would pray fervently on his knees I mean, Bible doesn't tell us that, but when we glean into it, as he was praying for rain and as he was praying um, to fight the false prophets and such, we could see how he would pray, kneeling down. And uh, that's how they uh, came up with this nickname, or Camel's Knee. What a great nickname to have. Another one is he is called a man of God. If we could have a PowerPoint, is it, do we have one? Excellent, okay. So this is what First Kings 17 says. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God. So this nickname came from this verse. And that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. When Israelites would describe the Old Testament, they would often say um, the law and the prophets. When they say the law, they're referring to the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, from Genesis to Deuteronomy. And when they say the prophets, it's the last 17 books of the Bible, from Isaiah to Malachi. So that covers the entire Old Testament. But of all the Old Testament characters, they would choose two. This is very common among Jewish culture, that they would choose Moses and Elijah. From all the Old Testament characters, they, were, uh, they are most revered. So when they talk about the prophets, Elijah would just stand out. When we look into the Mount Transfiguration event, we see Jesus taking three disciples with him. And then, of course, Peter is always the one right next to Jesus, and he sees these two other people, Moses and Elijah with Jesus. So he goes, hey, can we stay here? I'll build, you know, places for us to live here and stay here and, you know, fellowship. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> so it's no coincidence that Moses and Elijah will often come up. So the last book of the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. Malachi only has four chapters. So the last chapter of the Old Testament is Malachi chapter 4. Chapter 4 only has six verses. This is the last three verses of the entire Old Testament. 
Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. This is how the Old Testament ends. Talks about Moses and Elijah. Here, God said he would send Elijah. Not that he's going to bring him from the dead and send him again. It means that someone like Elijah, who is similar in his attributes and characters and the ministry that he was doing, Elijah was faithful. He was a man of God. He prayed and he did not hesitate to obey God. For what purpose? So that the parents' hearts will turn to children and the children's hearts will turn to parents. Something that will grip the family, something that will grip the entire nation, the Messiah. He came to fulfill the law. So whoever this person is, this person is going to introduce Messiah. Right after this, then there's a 400 years of silence. God will speak to his people through the prophets all the time. And then all of a sudden, after Malachi, no more talking. God does not talk to his people for 400 years until John the Baptist comes along and he goes, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And what is he doing? He's introducing Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So this is Elijah, not just the work that he did during the Old Testament times, but he really connects the Old Testament and the New Testament and so that the people will prepare to receive the Messiah, that they will have that longing for the Messiah. It will be worthwhile for us to really invest our time to get to know Elijah. Because Elijah... Learn to be content. All through his life, he learned to be content. The dictionary definition is a peaceful um, happiness, a state of peaceful happiness. That's what content is. Spiritually, it means that you are utterly satisfied in the Lord. That's what Peter, uh, Paul said, right? He said, learn to be content. I am whether I have needs or wants or I have much, it doesn't matter what type of situation I'm in. It doesn't matter. I am content in the Lord. So should you be. Paul gave up a lot. He was a Pharisee. He had a Roman citizenship. He had some network, and he was on his path to be one of the movers and shakers of his country. And he gave that up to follow Jesus Christ. For that, he was in prison, he was shipwrecked, he was bitten, and he died. They stoned him to death. And the Bible talks about how he just got up again and then went back to his preaching ministry. He got stoned because he was preaching. He came back to life. He went back and resumed his preaching. <laughs> and they, uh, it says that he was lashed uh, 39 times, multiple times. So one of the punishments was to receive that beating with like a whip. So it's a whip with some sharp objects in the end. 
And when you hit someone, it adds additional pain. But the law was that you could only strike someone 39 times. But any punishment, that would be the maximum. Because if you hit that person 40th times, and if that person dies, then you have to pay the price. So no one would slash someone 40 times, only 39 times. Well, Paul received that 39 times, multiple times. Meaning he was, he almost died. So that's what his life was, always in danger, always just almost dying and dying. But he said, I am content. In the Lord, I am utterly satisfied. I gave up so much and yet I'm serving the Lord and because of that I'm paying this hefty price, I am content. This is my prayer for us, especially our youth, especially our graduating seniors, especially for our college students, especially for singles. That you will learn to be content. That you will learn to be self-sustaining Christians wherever you go. That you will seek God and you will be in His presence. And that becomes most important to you as you pursue your aspirations and such. That your relationship with God will become the most important thing. And because of that, you will be content. Elijah was content. I have to give you a little background story. So this is a time when Israel was divided into uh, north and south. Northern kingdom had all unrighteous kings. During Elijah's time, he was with King Ahab, the seventh king, the seventh unrighteous king. Fifty-eight years went by since the split, the country was split into two. But they already have seven kings. King is a lifetime appointment. You don't give that up unless you die. But imagine, in 58 years, you had seven kings. So there's a lot going on in this land. Turmoil, unrest. So it was during this time, Ahab would become the king. 1 Kings 16 gives us a little more picture, better picture of what's going on. Ahab, son of Amri, Omri did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. So they had all unrighteous kings, and Ahab is the worst. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbel, king of Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. So Ethbel, queen's dad, was a priest of Baal. In fact, his name means a man of Baal. And he would lead a coup so that he would become the king of Sidonians. So Jezebel was a princess when she married King Ahab. And she had the same passion as her dad. I want to get rid of all Yahweh worshippers and replace them with Baal worshippers. And she was doing a really good job with the help of King Ahab. <laughs> you see, it was this time, spiritually depraved, chaos, unrest, all these things, and yet Elijah was content. How? Because he pursued God's word. He listened, and he obeyed. But this is... Um, Verse 1 of 1 Kings 17. Now Elijah 
the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So he's from this place called Tishbe, east of the Jordan River, between Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, closer to the Sea of Galilee. It's a small town, farming town. This is the first time we read about Elijah. So chapter 17 of 1 Kings, when we first encounter Elijah, obviously God calls him and tells him to say this to evil king and the queen. I mean, to tell them no rain is like fighting words at that time because we know the promised land. There was a reason why God picked this land so that his chosen people chosen people will live there. As we remember, it's a land that is flowing with milk and honey. That is true. At the same time, this land could turn into dry land just like that. God picked this land for his chosen people so that they will depend on God 100%. There is no way to get around it. They need rain, early rain in the fall. They need a late rain in spring. As long as they get this rain, they're good. They will be able to grow crops. The animals will be fed. They will be in good shape as well. Then the land will flow with milk and honey. No problem. Unless something goes wrong. If there's no rain in either of those two times, they will suffer. If there's no rain for a couple of years, famine will happen. And everyone will be scattered. So this is a fighting word. For King Ahab, this no-name prophet will go up against King Ahab, evil king, and tell him, you're not going to get any rain. My God told me to tell you, no rain for next couple of years, if not several years. Imagine saying that. He listened, and he obeyed. This is not Elijah versus King Ahab. It's much more than that. It's between God of Yahweh versus false god Baal. You see, Baal is a god of fertility and the nature, including the rain. So God is saying, okay, you guys, you promote this false god and you have great followers. All my people are turning to Baal worshipers because of this rain, much needed rain. Well, guess what? I'm going to stop this. I'll show you who the real God is, who the true God is. So this is much more than that. We kind of know a little bit as a pastors about sharing bad news. And no one wants to come up here and preach bad news. We know that's not going to be popular unless God tells us to do. We are called to serve God, and one of the areas is to preach God's word. So when we prepare this, we consult with God, and if God tells us to say something, we need to obey that. Sometimes it's not always pleasant. We always hope it will be positive and uplifting and pleasant, but not always the case. It's just up to God. So we have a little bit of information. So imagine Elijah, like Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a weeping prophet because he would 
always tell his, the people the bad news. Hey, Babylonians are coming. They're going to kill many of us. They're going to take away many of us. And we're going to be all scattered and our country will be ruined. But don't fight. There's no hope. Don't fight. Just give up. Wave the white flag and just surrender. Don't even try. <laughs> That was his message all the time. So people hated him with passion. And they would not respond. So he was always weeping. Or Elijah? What if you're Elijah? There's an evil king and queen, and I want you to go tell them, no rain. I mean, they could just say, I'm done with you. Just get rid of this guy. Always that possibility. But Elijah was consumed by God's word. When he hears God's word, he was already moving to obey them. And this was the secret to his contentment. The chapter goes on, verses 2 through 4. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. But God knows that uh, Elijah's life will be in danger. So basically, he tells him, run and hide. I'll take care of you. And then verse 5, he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. Again, Elijah is already moving. As soon as God speaks, as he hears, he's already moving. That was his just life. He loved God's word. More importantly, he desired to obey them immediately. Verses um, 8 through 10a. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. I mean, sometimes God doesn't make sense to us. He goes against our logic. So he obeys God. He goes up to the evil king with a message. For that, he has to run away and hide. And God tells him, I will take care of you. I will send ravens. Birds. I mean, ravens are not tiny birds. They're, you know, pretty good size. But ravens bring food. Like every day you're looking up the sky. Oh, when is it coming? It's not going to be a course meal that we had for um, New Year's celebration. It's not going to be that. But Elijah doesn't hesitate. He doesn't say, well, time out, God. What do you, what do you mean, birds bringing my food? He doesn't say that. And then, and then he goes, go to Zarephath. Zarephath is a foreign country. Today is Lebanon. Between Sidon and Tyre is a coastal uh, city. So he has to go to foreign land. And he will end up being there for about a year. But not only that, God says, I want you to go to a widow's house. She will take care of you. I mean, you're God's prophet. And you go to a widow's house and stay there for a long time? Like, well, people might say something, Right? And widows are poor, especially during this time, Old Testament times. 
they just somehow barely make it, if at all. And then you go there, and the widow is going to help you (laughs) with food. It just doesn't make sense. Why not a rich rich fellow's house with 50 servants to serve me? No, go to a widow's house. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. But again, Elijah does not complain. He obeys God immediately. If we know anything about faithful servants, isn't this what they do? I mean, sometimes they do ask questions. Sometimes they do say time out. But eventually, they will come around and they obey God even though it does not make sense. Everyone who hears, they end up obeying God. They are the ones that God will use to make difference. And this was Elijah's secret. You may know John Bunyan. Um, he lived during the uh, Puritan period, the 17th century. In, in Europe this time, you had to get a permission from the government, from the authority to preach. You can't, you, know, you can't just preach God's word or you can't evangelize. You need to get a special permission. Well, John Bunyan received this burden to preach God's word. So instead of going through all this, you know, red tapes to get permission, he just preached. And for that, he was arrested and put in prison. And the government officials came and said, okay, you look like a reasonable fellow. So just stop this. We're going to let you go, but you need to promise us that you will stop preaching. John said, I can't do that. If God tells me to preach, I'm going to preach. So they said, well, well, we're going to let you go if you promise that you're not going to preach anymore. So I can't do that. Okay, then you have to stay here. Guess how many years he stayed in prison? 12 years. <laughs> I mean, some might say, you're a fool. Why don't you just say you will and then preach when you go out, <laughs> right? But he didn't want to do it that way. That's not his God. So he wanted to let them know, I want to obey God. I mean, I'll follow our law, but then if God says otherwise, I'm going to obey God. But he was doing this 12 years of imprisonment. He wrote a book, the book called uh, The Pilgrim's Progress. The most read book other than the Bible among Christians. I'm sure some of you have read it. It's on my list, top 10 list, all-time favorites, right under J.I. Packer's Knowing God. You know, I, I put it there. It's a good book. changed my life. It was because he was willing to obey despite the cost that he had to pay. You know, obeying God is not always easy. In fact, it's almost always difficult. As soon as you make up your mind to obey God's word, Satan will attack you. Something's going to happen. As soon as you make up your mind, I want to be a better Christian, I want to do more, I want to obey God more and more faithfully. As soon as you make up your mind like that, you're going to be attacked. It's just how it is. But are we willing to pay that price? This is what Jesus said in John 14. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. 
John 14, 24 says, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. It's as simple as that. We will say, I love you, but I can't do this. And, you know, we've all been there. And, you know, we all wrestle with that. But then if you truly love someone, you're not going to say that. This is what Jesus is saying. I love you unconditionally. Can you love me to obey my commands? I mean, we're always not going to succeed, but do we have that desire? When we listen to God's words, when we read God's words, our goal is to obey. In fact, we are already moving like Elijah. That's what builds our relationship with God. This is what James says, chapter 1, verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. You want to be blessed? It's just a simple formula. The Bible is filled with this um, kind of promises. We'll have peace and joy, according to Psalm 119, what Calvin picked out. But it's a long chapter, right? In there, 119, 111, it promises that we'll have peace and joy. John 15, Isaiah 48, and we'll have uh, discernment to choose the right path. Who doesn't want to do that? What school to attend, what to study, what kind of job to get, who to, to marry, and what to do in this situation. We all want to have that discernment, picking the right path. What it promises us, if we obey God's commands, this is promised. And then we'll have a long life, amen, who doesn't want that? Long, healthy, prosperous life. And future generations will come to know the Lord through you. If we obey, see, our generation, if we commit to obeying God's words, the next generation will follow that. And they will fear the Lord. And they will have desire to obey God's words. It's just some of the promises. In fact, the Hebrew word for obey means to hear. So it's in their application uh, of their relationship with God, this was their understanding. When God speaks, when they hear God's words, it means to obey. It's just embedded in that word. Hear means obey. Greek word, similar. It's like you go under. You hear under. So when God is speaking, you come under him. So you collect all his commands, and then you obey. That's the idea. It's just given within the words, Greek and Hebrew. Elijah lived like that. I will obey. Whatever I hear, I will obey. Even if it doesn't make sense, I will obey. That was Elijah. So he was content. Self-sustaining believer in time of depravity, unrest, and such. Second, Elijah was content through a prayer life. Although our uh, text today doesn't describe his prayer, we sometimes have to put two and two together, right? So James chapter 5 tells us Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed honestly and rain came. So 
Elijah, through Elijah, God stopped rain, and through Elijah, God sent rain. But he's just, just like you and me, except he prayed earnestly. When you think about your prayer life, I just think about that for a second. When do you have this absolute assurance that that prayer will be answered by God? I mean, we pray a lot of things, right? From our health to family members, for our church, for our country, our leadership. We pray all the time. But what are some of the prayers that you have absolute assurance that God will answer that? It's just a matter of His timing. But He will answer that. We have this type of assurance when we know it is God's will. So when God burdens us with his will. And when we pray for that, then we know it's going to happen. With or without our prayer, but the fact that we're praying, we know it's going to happen. Imagine that kind of life. Just praying that your will be done. What you have I want to fulfill. Well, Calvin shared the passage that we're saying, where you go, I will go. That's basically the same thing. Your will, I want to be my will. If that is your will in heaven, I want it to be fulfilled here on earth. I want to be a part of that. So prayer is it's just one of those things that we get closer to God just by default. And more we live like this. It's the cycle. We read, we listen, we obey. And then we pray. That's how we're going to have boldness. It's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. We know Jesus is going to come back. It's just absolute fact, right? The Bible says so. So when we say Jesus will return, we have 100% confidence it will happen. We just don't know when it will happen. That's up to God, but we know it's going to happen. Jesus will return one day, and it may be too late for you to accept Jesus Christ. Would you like to accept Jesus Christ today? You may not have tomorrow. Either you will perish or Jesus will come. But today, this is your chance. Would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because we have absolute assurance. Yes, he could come back. He could return any day, and it will be too late. Imagine that type of assurance and that type of fellowship with the Lord. We will be content because we're able to hear God's voice that way. We're able to discern God's will that way. And we'll get better at it. As we obey, as we pray, we're going to get better and better and better. God's heart will be able to inherit. His will will be able to inherit as well. So Elijah learned to be content. His passion for the word, his desire to obey, and his prayer life. God picked Elijah, said, I want you to go and tell wicked people to repent. That kind of sounds like our calling, doesn't it? God picked us. We're able to worship on Sunday. We're able to pray to God. We're able to enjoy the 
the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, all these spiritual blessings because God picked us. And then he taught us to go make disciples of all nations. That's our calling. Wicked people out there, true. We are right there as well. We're just forgiven sinners. No different. Our job is to go and and confront them, expose their evil. How many of us are willing to say homosexuality is wrong? Abortion is wrong, no matter the situation. It's what the Bible says. I know it's tough, but it's not right to get rid of your baby. I know you think you were born that way, but the Bible tells us it's a sin. When you accept Jesus Christ, you will receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help you. The, the, the Word will help you. We will help you. How many of us are willing to expose that type of sins? To go up against kings and queens of the world. I, mean, I just look around and I'm always impressed with our surroundings. This beautiful city, this place we live in, I mean, it's very close to heaven, minus the weather. But are we intimidated by them? Are we, are we part of this great place where we shouldn't rock the boat? Like, we don't want to cause any problems. Everybody's happy and everybody has the fine line they're walking. Hey, okay, we'll tolerate you, we'll tolerate you, we're good, let's go out to eat. Are we willing to stir things up, confront them? Brother, if you don't have Jesus Christ, you're not saved. I want you to be saved. Would you like to accept Jesus Christ? You don't have to know everything about the Bible to share. You just have to share Jesus Christ that you know. It's up to God and it's up to them. Are we willing to live that kind of life? Elijah knew he was risking his life. But he was so happy to do it. Content. Because he knew if something goes wrong, then he'll be with God. If he survives, then he'll continue to serve God. It was simple math for Elijah. And I pray that we will have that simple math, that we will learn to have this spiritual contentment. Uh, I, I wonder if we could end this way. So we want to bless each other, and we want to encourage each other. So this is what we're going to say to each other. We're going to say, I pray that you will learn to be content in the Lord. And then you will say, Amen. But then you're going to say, Yeah, me too. I pray that, that you will learn to be content in the Lord. And that person will say, Amen. Can we, may I encourage you to do that? Can we say that? So turn to your neighbor. I pray that you will learn to be content in the Lord. Amen. You too. I pray that you will learn to be content in the Lord. Amen. <laughs> God has given us that empowerment. Our words matter. Now, you have to keep your promise, so you have to pray for that person. <laughs> so keep praying for each other, and I hope we could enjoy this blessing. To have contentment, to be content in the Lord, no matter the situation. Gracious God, thank you so much. Thank you for loving us. 
while we were yet sinners. Thank you for your patience. We fall all the time, myself included. We're there every single day asking for forgiveness. But Lord, you're so willing, able. Uh, You're ready to forgive us all the time just so that we could get up and try again. Father, you called us to represent you so that we could share our blessings, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with others. So when we think about our life, O Lord, we know we have received so much. We don't need any more blessings. We don't need to have any more knowledge per se. We just need to have this commitment, the willingness to obey and to pray, to surrender. So help us, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.